Hello and welcome to What the Hex Creature Feature, where we look at folklore and cryptids. Every Saturday we look at the history of a creature before even describing it and looking at theories of what the creature might be. I'm your host Glenn, and I can't give you the answer to these unexplained things, because I don't know what they are. I'm just here to give you the information to decide for yourself. All research is done as academically as I can, and references are given at the end of the episode. This week's creature feature is a folklore episode. We're looking at Tulpa. This episode, I'm starting with a definition. The Collins Dictionary defines tulpa as a being or object that is created in the imagination by visualisation techniques such as in Tibetan mysticism. With this information to hand, let's look into tulpa. Tulpa have only featured in Western paranormal lore since around the 1970s, but they've existed for a lot longer than that. The word tulpa comes from the Tibetan phrase sprulpa, which means to let emanations go forth. It came to the West as tulpa in 1929 when Alexandra David Neal used it to describe a practice she had seen whilst travelling and learning about Tibetan culture. She explained in her book Magic and Mystery in Tibet that she had met the Dalai Lama in 1912 and he had explained to her that in a state of perfect concentration, he could make many phantoms of himself in any form he chose. This limitless power to create forms was attributed to the Dalai Lama's spiritual status. However, David Neal also referenced creations called Tulkas, which she described as shorter lasting manifestations and could be made by any human. From her explanations, the strength of a person's creation depended on the strength or level of their concentration. The idea of Tulpa sounds very similar to an imaginary friend. However, they're not quite the same. Imaginary friends typically come from the minds of children and are under the control of the child who created them. The child usually knows that the imaginary friend isn't real but the emotional attachment that exists between them and their imaginary friend does. The friends are also thought to show that a child is more social, creative, often happy and generally well-adjusted. It's believed that imaginary friends help children explore empathy, sharing and nurturing skills. The difference between Tulpa and imaginary friends comes from something deeper than the way they're created. Both of them are created entirely in the mind, which is where a lot of the comparison ends. However, imaginary friends end when the mind stops focusing on it. Imaginary friends aren't forever and appear and disappear quite often. Tulpa, on the other hand, are thought to be able to obtain their own minds. They're believed to think independently of their creator, experience emotions and even have memories. The things that make Tulpa different to imaginary friends allow their existence to grow. They can grow their own personalities, desires and even curiosities of their own and completely separately from their creator. David Neal wrote about this, 
saying that Tulpa will eventually grow enough to create their own physical form, leaving the host's body. She even said that she had created her own Tulpa before it began to grow more and more sinister, to the point that she had to destroy it. Over the years, Tulpa have appeared in many forms of media, including comic books and TV shows. Most notably, Tulpa appear in Frozen as the snowmen Olaf and Marshmallow, the Babadook, Doctor Who, where they're mentioned several times, and specifically in the episode The Time of Angels, Misfits, where Abby is revealed to be one, Supernatural, in the episode Hell House, Twin Peaks, where Diane was initially believed to be a Tulpa, but later was revealed to be a real person, Star Trek The Next Generation, in the episodes Imaginary Friend and The Bonding, and The X-Files, where they appear in the episodes Arcadia and Home Again. Even the very famous Slenderman is believed to be a Tulpa, or at least it would have the ability to become one due to the massive amount of belief of the entity. With all of this information about what a Tulpa is, let's look a little deeper into them. It's difficult to put a description to them, so instead we're going to look into something I mentioned at the very beginning of this season, Tulpamancy. We've looked at Tulpa as a force now, and how they come to be. But I've mentioned Tulpamancy a couple of times now this season, and never actually explained it. Now's the time. Unlike the concept of Tulpa, Tulpamancy is actually a really modern thing. It's a small subculture that can be found on the internet that talks about their journeys in producing Tulpa. Tulpamancy works in a similar way to the creation of Tulpa in Tibetan Buddhism, with one major difference. Tibetan Buddhism uses meditation in the manifestation of Tulpa. This meditation is designed to clear the mind, allowing a person to focus on things. However, a Tulpamancer forgoes the meditation, instead using extended periods of concentration and visualisation to produce a Tulpa. Tulpamancers are often young people who create entities that they wish for through this action, called forcing in order to give them life. They spend a long time forcing so that their creations have the ability to think freely and become something other than an inner voice. Forcing even splits down further. The process can either be active or passive. Active forcing involves moulding the Tulpa's form and features, including a basic personality. Passive forcing allows the Tulpamancer to bring the Tulpa into a regular routine. This often involves having a conversation with the Tulpa or reading its stories. The created Tulpa lives in a created environment called a Wonderland, which is a mindscape or dreamscape that helps to give context to their interactions or to allow the Tulpa to have somewhere to be when the Tulpamancer isn't interacting with it. Perhaps the most important role of the Tulpamancer is the act of imposition. This is a skill that takes practice before the Tulpamancer can perfect it. 
Imposition allows the Tulpomancer to impose the Tulpa into the real world, making it so that the Tulpomancer can see, hear, or even feel their Tulpa in the real world. Some Tulpomancers decide not to attempt imposition, choosing instead to attempt Tulpa possession, which allows the Tulpa to take control of the body while the Tulpomancer spends time within the Wonderland. The process is called switching. The reason that this is a separate part of the episode is due to the vast gap between the Tibetan practice and the modern version. The Tibetan version of this was a way to show spirituality and the power that came from that. Tolpomancy seems vastly different by contrast, with people forcing beings into existence rather than doing it naturally. The idea of Tolpomancy first appeared in 2009 on the X board of 4chan. X is the paranormal discussion board on the infamous site. Tolpa were the original subject matter, but some members took the concept very seriously and began to attempt to make them. The subject eventually died in X, but the seeds of curiosity had been sown. The idea snowballed and eventually made its way to the MLP board, designed specifically for fans of My Little Pony, Friendship is Magic. A lot of the people on that board were adult men, often referred to as bronies, who bought into the idea of Tolpomancy and began to force Tolpa that were based solely on their favourite characters from the cartoon. The My Little Pony fandom was highly accepting of strange things and became one of the first online communities to adopt the idea of forcing. Due to the nature of the cartoon, the characters were depicted as good, with only a few characters being outright evil. It makes sense that the fans would want to have a Tolpa shaped by this show. Whether that was the true intention or not is debatable, since bronies have a contentious involvement in the fandom. It wasn't long before other forums like Reddit spawned their own spaces for Tolpomancy. These began appearing around 2012, and the community guided and supported anyone who wanted to begin experimenting with Tolpa enforcing. This ended up creating the idea of Tolpa as we see in the West today. It came from the Tibetan Buddhist practices and moved into something completely separate and yet still very similar. But realistically, are Tolpa real? Or are they just imaginary friends? Tolpa have shifted significantly from their Buddhist roots in the modern day. From a conscious effort to show spiritual power, they've evolved into something created from forcing thoughts into existence. Could they really become their own entities? I'm going to start with Tolpomancy for this episode. I've talked about how people use this to create other consciousnesses, but scientists have actually looked into it as well. A study by Samuel Paul Vessier looked at Tolpomancy and the Tolpomancer's thoughts about the reality of their creations. He found that only 4.6% of Tolpomancers reported that the practice was an extremely real experience, 
and that their tulpa were indistinguishable from real people. Another 4.6% said that they were able to hear and see their tulpa outside of their heads. 50.6% said that the tulpa felt somewhat real and distinct from their own thoughts. And 37% reported that their tulpa felt like physical people. It doesn't give a lot to think about, aside from a generalisation that tulpamancy is real to everyone in some way. One tulpa wrote an email to Vice, quoting René Descartes, saying cogito ergo sum, which translates to I think, therefore I am. This tulpa also explained its personal experience, saying that it wasn't completely independent, needing to use its creator's brain and energy to think, and that they couldn't think at the same time. This revelation caused tulpa to be viewed as a form of schizophrenia or DID, However, the Diagnostic and Statistical Manual of Mental Disorders, the DSM-5, says that it isn't, stating, unless a tulpamancy system experiences clinically significant dysfunction, distress, or danger as a direct result of their plurality, they cannot be diagnosed with either DID or other specified dissociative disorders. This suggests that tulpa are not indicative of mental health issues and currently no cases of tulpa evolving into DID or OSDD exist. Looking back to Vessier, his research paper notes that tulpamancers are primarily urban, middle-class, Euro-American adolescents and young adults who experience and express loneliness and social anxiety, citing that as a reason to begin the practice. These tulpamancers reported an overwhelmingly positive change in their social lives, as well as a largely positive sensory experience. They still seem to differ from imaginary friends in their separation, individuality and ability to give sensory experiences to the creator, but these reports push the idea that they may be little more than that. I spoke very briefly about the connection to imaginary friends. And it could be possible that, with the growth of our cognitive abilities, we are able to create imaginary friends as adults and give them an agency that we couldn't as children. There is some research to back this up as well. In child development, there's the theory of mind. This theory talks of how children learn about the agency of others. In infancy and early childhood, children learn skills that they use later to develop their theory of mind. These are things like paying attention to and copying others, recognising emotion, causes and consequences of the emotions, uh, playing pretend, and most importantly, recognising the differences between themselves and others, including wants, likes and dislikes. Around the age of four or five, children really begin to develop theory of mind, allowing them to understand that people are different from them. This can coincide with the timing of them having an imaginary friend, a form of playing pretend that tends to surface between the ages of three and five. This could suggest that tulpamancy is actually an adult form of creating an imaginary friend, but with a developed theory of mind that makes it seem like the tulpa has its own agency. I can't seem to find any theories about Buddhist tulpa though. And I've looked at every theory surrounding tulpamancy that I could find. The decision's now up to you. 
Do you think it's possible to create a whole new being using the power of your mind alone? History from this week's creature came from the Collins Dictionary, an exemplar article, a How Stuff Works article, and a TV Tropes article. The information on Tulpamancy came from a Savage Minds article and a Screenshot article. The theories from this episode came from the previous articles, a Hannon Centre article about theory of mind, and a child therapy blog by Katie Lee. References and links are posted on social media if you want to take a look. The link tree is available in the episode description, so you can go to your preferred social media or listen on your preferred platform. Patreon is still unchanged with a £3 tier if you want to support me. They have nothing to put on there yet. Suggestions, personal stories and corrections can be sent through the email in the episode description too. Next week's episode releases on Wednesday, and the next Creature feature releases next Saturday. So hold on until then.